KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. Did you know the election is coming up? I know you don't hear much about it, but Election Day is Tuesday. Of course, we already have tens of millions of votes that have been cast across the country. The presidential race is the headliner here. Will it be a second term for Donald Trump, or will Joe Biden take over the Oval Office? Wanted to dig into the race a bit, so I reached out to Gerard Fitzpatrick. He is a professor of politics at Ursinus College. Really interesting conversation. Give a listen. So we are a few days out from the election, and uh, right now, as an overview, it seems like an awful lot of arrows from a polling standpoint, from a data standpoint, pointing towards Vice President Joe Biden. Uh, would you agree that he is the clear favorite right now? If you trust the polls, yes, indeed. So let's dig into some of the states and let's start with Pennsylvania. We hear a lot about a lot of folks think Pennsylvania could be the tipping point. And it's one of a handful of states, more than a handful, actually, to that seem to be in the toss-up category. For your money, uh, is Pennsylvania right at the top of the list of, of critical states? I would say so. Um, I think Florida, though, actually may be more critical, certainly for Donald Trump's campaign. To put it very simply, if Donald Trump loses Florida, I think Donald Trump loses the election. Uh, Joe Biden actually could lose Florida and Pennsylvania and still have several ways to win to get the magic 270 electoral votes. Trump, rather, really has just one way, and that's through Florida. And that's one of the things that jumps out. We can go back and forth on individual states and stuff like that, but it seems to me Vice President Biden has several paths to victory, and it seems like the president's is, is really relatively narrow at this point, no? It's narrow, but pretty much does require Florida. Um, if Trump were to lose Florida and one more state from those he won in 2016, he'd drop below 270. And right now, again, the polls can be trusted. I think they can this year, actually. It looks as if Biden will get back part of that famous blue wall that Hillary Clinton lost in the Midwest. Uh, in particular, Michigan appears to be the strongest of those Midwestern states. If Biden doesn't, if Biden does in fact take back Michigan, and he gets Florida, Donald Trump simply cannot get 270. We know that returns are going to be all over the place because of the pandemic, and we're not going to get things in the order we're used to. We're not going to get a lot of returns as quickly as we're used to. But are there states, are there areas on election night that you will be looking at early on to get a feel for what direction the election may go? Well, definitely Florida, again. Uh, Florida is one of those few states that actually starts processing and counting mail-in votes fairly early, before Election Day. And before the night is over, we should have a pretty good idea of how Florida is going. And there again, Florida appears to be strongly for Biden early on Election Night. You can be sure once the mail-in ballots come, it will definitely be a Biden state. If Florida appears um, to be a Trump state on Election Night, it depends upon how strong the Trump state Florida appears to be, if it does at all. If it appears to be a Trump state, that doesn't rule out Biden, though, still winning. Uh, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, they could still be his ace in the hole, as it were. So Florida will be a key, a key state to look at early on. If Biden's doing well in Florida on election night, that's very good news for Biden. If Biden's not doing so well, 
depends upon just how not well he's doing. Are there certain demographics you think that are really going to decide this election when it's all said and done? Um, I think the the key groups you're hearing so much about in the media over the last several months, uh, suburban women, the the non the college educated whites, uh, groups that supported Donald Trump in the past are leaving in droves. Senior citizens they are much more divided now over Donald Trump than they were four years ago when he had their votes rather securely four years ago. Younger voters who every four years people talk about the youth vote coming out. And oftentimes they don't. Uh, this year appears to be perhaps an exception. Uh, the youth vote is more strongly for Joe Biden than it is for Donald Trump. The Hispanic vote is always crucial, and it plays out differently in different states. The Hispanic population in Florida is not the same as it is in Arizona, in New Mexico. Uh, Florida, of course, is very crucial for the decomposition, you might say, um, of its Hispanic vote once you break it down. Cuban-American Hispanics, not the same as Puerto Rican Hispanics. Um, Biden is certainly trailing with the Cuban Hispanics, as Democrats typically do. Uh, They're a very strongly anti-communist group, very strongly pro-business group, uh, in South Florida especially, Uh, but doing very well among the Puerto Rican Hispanic population. And so turnout always becomes crucial in this respect. Uh, Let me say really quickly in that regard, you know, polls show one thing or one set of things. And theoretically, they may well be accurate. But will those people in the polls necessarily turn out on election day or through mail-in? Um, there can be some disconnect there. So if people turn out and vote in proportion to what the polls show, that certainly is good news at this point for Joe Biden. If they don't, though, Donald Trump is by no means out of this. To the turnout question, I've been following a lot of the early vote numbers, just the sheer number of them, and it's incredible. Now, obviously, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so a lot more people are taking options that are maybe newly available to them to vote early. Are those early vote numbers telling you anything? Maybe not who's winning, but who's showing up and where where the votes are going to be coming from? Well, unlike so many of my colleagues, college professors, um, I'll say I don't know (laughs) rather than I do know. Um, This never happened before, of course. The sheer volume of mail-in ballots this year, nothing like this before. Um, People have asked for mail-in ballots. They've gotten them. Many, though, have not sent them back. And what that means isn't necessarily clear. Um, Those could be folks who decide to actually show up on Election Day and vote and not use their mail-in ballot. It could be procrastinators, and if they are, they're in serious trouble. Um, It could be people who just simply given up, either through intimidation or just sheer being overwhelmed by this campaign. Any number of reasons. Um, I guess with Halloween approaching, we could try some witchcraft on this and try to read some tea leaves, but it's really very hard to tell. Um, What might be the best guess, though, at this point, is that it does augur fairly well, at least at first glance on the surface, for Democrats. Most of those who have requested mail-in ballots have been Democrats. Uh, most of them who sent them back appear to have been Democrats. Uh, and we could likely assume they'll be voting their party affiliation. Partisanship has been getting to be a very strong predictor of the vote in recent years. And it always, it always hasn't been that way. But how it's all going to shake down, very hard to say. Uh, to go back to Florida for a second, 
you know, Florida has been shifting around quite a bit since 2016 in terms of party registration. And Republicans have been picking up quite a few registered voters in relation to Democrats. Democrats still have the lead. Republicans have been coming back, coming back very strongly. Republicans expect that their folks will show up on election day in numbers strong enough to cancel out the Democrats' turnout so far in mail-in ballots. All those mail-in ballots actually may be Democrats who would have voted on election day, but simply voted earlier. Unless Democrats can find some new voters, and they make up a a fair element of mail-in voters, Democrats could be in trouble in Florida, and elsewhere for that matter. I wanted to talk a couple of states we haven't touched on, but a lot of people have been talking about them, Texas and Georgia. Uh, a lot of people, even I think before this cycle, had talked about both trending, still being Republican, lean Republican states, but trending to the left. Um, and But many feel it's not a matter of when, but not if they become Democratic states. Uh, do you agree with that first? Well, I would, I would quote that, that great, incisive political thinker, uh, Mick Jagger. And regarding Democrats, time is on their side. Um, the demographics are clear. The growing Hispanic vote in particular in Texas, uh, the growing black vote in Georgia, the increasing uh, growth in college-educated whites in both states, and along with that, the decreasing number of non-college whites all those things uh, augur well for Democrats. Unfortunately for Democrats, they always think it's right around the corner and never seems to get there. Um, I would cite Exhibit A in Texas, um, Beto O'Rourke, who did very well in his race for the Senate against Ted Cruz, but no cigar for second place. Uh, same idea, Stacey Abrams in Georgia. Very strong race, looks very good for the future, but again, no cigar. Um, Frankly, I, I don't think Biden would take either Georgia or Texas this year. Um, not impossible, but I think it's still a little bit too soon for that. As a follow-up to that, regardless of whether it happens this year or I would think because of the demographics, as you, as you pointed out, once they kind of go into the Democratic column, it's going to be hard to pull them back. From a kind of a 30,000-foot view, from a national GOP perspective, when that day comes, assuming it does, there really doesn't seem to be a path the way things are currently constructed. That would, am I misreading that? No, I would agree. After the Obama-Romney contest, Republicans held a kind of post-mortem and concluded they're on a losing track if they keep trying to attract the electorate they're trying to attract because those kinds of folks are simply shrinking in terms of numbers. And the conclusion was, we've got to start reaching out more to minorities, to women. We've got to essentially moderate our message. Well, that didn't happen in 2016. And obviously, the last four years has not been that route. The route instead has been to really double down, triple, quadruple down on trying to find more white voters. Uh, I mean, the, the Donald Trump campaign this year has not been at all subtle about trying to find more folks like those who get in the edge in the upper Midwest uh, in 2016. Um, a lot of uh, white non-college people did not vote in 2016. And the Trump campaign has spent zillions of dollars, metaphorically, trying to find more of those folks. 
And I think the campaign has been just very clearly geared to that share of the electorate. But the cost, of course, for trying that strategy is to lose even more ground with college-educated whites, suburban women, younger voters, minorities, etc. I think uh, if Donald Trump does lose, the Republicans have to think very seriously about reconsidering uh, the move they took since 2016. Um, I'm not so sure, though, they can do that since the Republican Party now seems to be very clearly Donald Trump's party, with or without Donald Trump at the helm. So we talk about, some would say, the inevitability of Georgia and Texas going in one direction. Are there states that if you're the GOP and you're looking at the big picture, Matt, that they can hope to pull to their side on a relatively consistent basis in the big picture going forward? Would it be Wisconsin, Michigan, and maybe even Pennsylvania? Would that be the the hope to offset the losses in places like Texas and, and Georgia uh, down the road? Well, I would say, like you just did, but I would reverse the order. Um, I believe the numbers show actually Pennsylvania is the best bet for Republicans among PA, Michigan, and Wisconsin. PA has been trending more towards Republicans. The registration registration strength is increasing. Um, I think if we're not for the coronavirus and the Trump campaign's really disastrous misunderstanding of uh, suburban counties around Philadelphia, I think um, almost any other Democrat will be trailing right now Donald Trump in Pennsylvania. How concerned are you about the impact the pandemic's going to have and the chance for just a lot of uncertainty being pushed into this situation on election day and the days going forward? Or are you confident we'll be able to get through this with a clear winner one way or the other? I think it depends upon um, how well Biden appears to be doing on election night. But how he appears to be doing could be very misleading. Um, there's this phrase being used now, um, the, the, the blue shift, the phenomenon, um, nothing new, by the way, but the phenomenon where Republicans appear to be doing very well on election day, election night. But in the next several days, the mail-in votes come in, absentee ballots come in, start getting counted. And now all of a sudden, those votes are disproportionately Democrat. Democrats start coming back. Uh, we saw this the midterm election 2018 when it turned out that Democrats got their biggest win in decades because more and more votes trickled in after Election Day for Democrats, especially on the West Coast. Now, with Biden, it may well appear on election night that in Florida, I certainly expect Pennsylvania as well, other key states, it may look very good for Donald Trump. And he may well declare victory, which, of course, has no, no legal meaning. But he may do that. A lot of folks might say, as you kind of suggested at the start of the broadcast, we're used to seeing election night resolve things, or at worst, the next day. But this may take several days. This may take several weeks, actually, until the numbers come in sufficiently in the key states. That's assuming now the race is closer than the polls suggest. But if Biden's doing as well as the polls suggest, and perhaps even better, um, let me say very quickly, you know, polling error can go in either direction. Um, a lot of people are afraid it's underestimating Trump's strength. It could also be underestimating Biden's strength as a matter of statistics. So Biden does very well on election night. 
he'll be in a very strong position as the votes trickle in. If that's the case, I would think people would accept that. If it's the other way around, though, and Biden's not doing so well on election night, and the trickling in goes to his favor in the following days, or even a week or more, but not strongly enough, I fully expect the Donald Trump campaign will continue its drumbeat, that we can't trust mail-in balloting, there's all kinds of fraud going on, and that, that gets very, very troublesome and very disturbing. Um, you know, people should be talking about dates, not just November 3rd, but dates like December 8th, uh, the so-called Safe Harbor Day, which old-timers who think back to uh, 2000 may recall that term, the Safe Harbor Deadline. Um, that's the date by which states have to certify their count um, and certify which uh, slate of electors will be, actually be counted uh, by the Electoral College when they meet later in December. Um, if, if the election is, if, if the ballots are still questionable by December 8th, and you see state legislatures like Pennsylvania's, for example, talking about um, forgetting the votes entirely of the electorate and instead appointing their own slate of electors, which constitutionally they can do. Um, it's not been done since the 19th century. But if states start talking about appointing their own slates of electors, uh, then the phrase constitutional crisis, that's kind of in the periphery of discussion right now, will become dead center. Uh, for discussion. Past the presidential race, obviously the Senate is very much in play this cycle. Um, I pers- I really don't see a path based on everything I've read for the House to flip, but I'll ask you uh, just in general, what are you expecting for the Senate in the House? Well, again, um, assuming the polls are accurate, um, they're certainly largely in unison in this regard on the Senate races. The Democrats need to pick up um, or need to net at least uh, four seats. And it appears right now they have uh, four seats leaning enough in their direction. They should be able to regain the Senate. That's actually crucial uh, down the road. If there is an Electoral College challenge um, when the Congress convenes joint session in January to count the Electoral College votes, um, if the election ends up as some kind of variation of 2000 with George Bush and Al Gore, um, controlling the Senate will be crucial for Joe Biden later on. Uh, To make a long and complex story short, if Democrats control the Senate, um, they'll have an ace in the hole for any kind of challenges um, to a Pennsylvania uh, state legislature appointed slate of electors for Donald Trump. if Republicans try questioning Biden's slates later, uh, controlling the Senate will be very, very useful, along with the, along with the House, of course. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.